Good morning. Happy Sunday. Welcome to week six of the church in quarantine. Kind of unreal saying and thinking that, but it is week six. And uh, we know that we're going to be gathering like this again next week, virtually again next week for sure. And then evaluating uh, after that. Uh, based on the information that uh, comes down to us. Uh, I tell you what, though, I'm ready. Uh, again, this is fine and this is good, but this isn't best. And I was walking in uh, the sanctuary just yesterday. Of course, the lights were out, dark in there, was empty. And I stood at the front and looked at all those chairs and thinking about where everybody normally sits. And I am past ready uh, for us to be uh, back in there. Uh, hopefully it will uh, not look too different. Uh, who knows uh, what, what we'll be doing to accommodate being able to gather responsibly, but uh, we, we'll be ready and willing to do it. Uh, in the meantime, take courage, take heart. Uh, it won't always be like this, uh, but we do know that regardless of what comes our way, the church will uh, not just survive, but prevail because Jesus said that he would build his church and that the church that he builds, the gates of hell, the very powers of hell would not prevail against it, would not be able uh, to conquer his church. So when going through times like this, the church perseveres, the church exercises patient endurance uh, all the way through. Don't forget what it said elsewhere in scripture, he said, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid and neither be dismayed for the Lord God. Your, the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Uh, so though many things have changed, he has not. And we can hold uh, steadfast to him, knowing that he has the strength and the peace and the perseverance uh, that we need and that we require uh, during this time. So glad to have everybody gathered together uh, this morning or whenever you happen to be watching this. We're going to sing together. I'm going to ask Andrew to, to lead us this morning in singing. I encourage you to join along as we sing uh, from thankful hearts, uh, praises to the King. All right, Andrew. stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength we bow down and worship him now how great how awesome is he together we sing everyone sing Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Oh, the earth is filled with His glory. 
stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength and we bow down and worship him now how great how awesome is he together we sing everyone sing holy is the Lord God Almighty the earth is filled with his glory holy is the Lord God Almighty Thank you for joining us and singing to our holy God. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, so I'd ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and verse 12. We're going to be continuing our series in the book of Luke. If it's your first time joining us, welcome. Uh, I hope you're encouraged uh, by this. And Church family, you remember last week uh, we read the story of Jesus calling the first disciples in the boat with Simon uh, and James and John are there too. And we saw the miraculous demonstration of Christ's authority over even nature and creation. You remember the avalanche of fish. If you missed that one, scroll down. Uh, since we're on Facebook, it's right down here below. Uh, check that out. But today we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 and verse 12. I'm going to read that and then we'll pray over our time together today uh, and, and then proceed. So in Luke 5... And beginning in verse 12, this is following the story of him calling the first disciples. It says, in one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. 
When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell what had happened. He said, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But despite Jesus's instructions, the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So on that, let's pray. Father, as we approach your word today, I thank you that we do so with honor and reverence, expectancy to receive from you. I thank you that your word is alive and being alive it can minister to us exactly as you've designed it to. I thank you that you teach us more today about your kingdom, about our Savior, and about ourselves. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this story in Luke 5, starting in verse 12, Jesus comes upon a man uh, who's covered over with leprosy. Uh, and, and so a little bit of background there. We don't know for sure that what is referenced here as leprosy is what we know it as today. But what we do know is that it was used to cover uh, a, a variety of severe, uh, almost say devastating skin conditions in that time. These things would have made a person an outcast because they were seen as highly contagious. They were seen as unclean. Uh, and because of that, they weren't able to go into uh, the cities. They weren't able to go especially into the temple uh, where the worship took place. So just thinking about how God established some types and shadows in the Old Testament that we can see the substance of coming about in the New Testament. One of those was the temple and the camp, which would eventually become the city. So in the city of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem was at the center of the nation of Israel and the temple was at the center of Jerusalem. And that's where the spirit of God was to dwell and where he was to be worshipped. And all the people from the surrounding countryside, all the tribes of Israel would come and gather together in the city and at the temple at the appointed times of celebration. And so we see there uh, the, the, the parallel of what we'll see in the new Jerusalem where God will be enthroned and people will come from across the world to the center of everything. But it was a place that was supposed to be holy and pure and undefiled, set apart to honor God. And he gave them the law, the law about these things to teach them about clean and unclean, righteous and unrighteous, holy and common things. And obviously this wasn't followed perfectly by anyone that we find in Scripture, save for Jesus. And then yet the leper was at a distinct disadvantage because his defilement and his uncleanness he wore on the outside. It was evident by looking even at his skin. So, again, this would have been somebody seen as highly contagious, 
defiled with the potential to defile you. They were unclean with the potential to make you unclean. So this would have been social distancing to the max. People wouldn't have wanted to get close to anyone with leprosy, which would have left them not only in pain because of the disease, not only in discomfort because of the disease, but also alone and isolated in misery. And for almost all serious cases, there was no hope of recovery. And it says that this man's case was serious, that he had an advanced case or he was covered over with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he bowed down with his face to the ground. So this is the second instance, the second of three that we find in chapter five, where a man is at the feet of Jesus. The first was Simon Peter. The third will be to come later. And the second one is this leper kneeling at the feet of Jesus, asking to be healed, begging even to be healed. And again, this is Jesus. He's developed a reputation. People talk. So this this man would have heard about Jesus and, and the leper was crossing lines, both religious and social, to do this, to come close to Jesus, to fall at his feet. And he wasn't falling at the feet of just every man asking to be healed and cleansed, but he was asking Jesus. He said there in the latter part of verse 12, begging to be healed, he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. And make me clean. He called him Lord. And we've heard that word before. Lord means owner, master, or the one who is sovereign. He said, if you are willing, and, and we, we may hear that differently, uh, if, if you're willing, because a lot of times we'll say it begrudgingly, well, I guess I will. But he, he, his question is almost more of, if it's your desire, if you would if you would desire, if you would take pleasure in this, I know that you can heal me. You can make me clean again. He would have been alone and in pain with no natural hope of relief. Can you imagine the misery that would have come from that? And so he, he falls at the feet of Jesus and says, I know that you can. Will you heal me and make me clean? He had been banished from fellowship with his countrymen, asking Jesus, will you restore me? He had been left out of the temple, cast out of the temple because of his condition. He said, will you free me from that? And so remember what Jesus said earlier in Luke when he was standing in the synagogue in Nazareth, when he read from the book of Isaiah, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And he said that the blind will see that the captives will be released. The oppressed will go free and I will proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor or jubilee, a, a, a going back home, a reset to original. And this man's at his feet and says, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And then Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, reached out his hand and touched the man. This is a big deal that he would do that, that he would not only come close to someone with an any type of leprosy, but especially an advanced case of leprosy, that he would reach out with his hand and touch him. 
And again, he said, I am willing. And again, it's not how we may think of it in our English translation of, well, I guess I will. Well, sure, I will. It was more of my desire is to heal you. It gives me pleasure to heal you. And then he told the man, be healed. And it says the leprosy disappeared completely clean. So went from covered over in leprosy to healed and smooth skin. Now, Jesus reaching out to touch this man, this le obviously a leper would have brought uh, would have brought a gasp probably from many of the people watching this happen. Touching someone with leprosy wasn't something that you did. Their understanding of it was that it was through touch and close proximity that this disease, this dreaded disease was transmitted. You wouldn't see that in a normal social context any more than right now that you would see somebody tested positive for the virus, running fever, all kinds of symptoms, and somebody want to run up and hug them, right? Why would we not do that? We would be afraid that what was wrong with them would become wrong with us. Or best case, if I didn't get the virus from them, I would have to be then isolated from everyone else and super quarantined for at least 14 days. So I wouldn't, we wouldn't see people do that because they'd be afraid that they would be defiled, right? That they would be infected, that what has you would then have me because I touched you. And so there was probably a thought there. Jesus is about to defile himself by touching this leprous man. But we see in this account the all sufficiency of Jesus Christ, because instead of the leper defiling him, he cleansed the leper. So when he reached out to touch the man who probably hadn't been touched in who knows how long, when he felt the touch of the Savior, the Savior wasn't defiled, but the man was cleansed. So just see it how they would have seen it, especially in the context that we're seeing now when we have this on the brain about this infectious disease, this virus activity to go. He's not. Going, oh, oh, he's too, uh, whoa, whoa. And then all of a sudden, instead of Jesus being defiled, the man was cleansed, healed and completely cleansed in the blink of an eye. Instead of Jesus becoming dirty from touching the man, the man became clean because he was touched by Jesus. Instead of them both being cast out because Jesus touched him, they, he was brought close, right? His touch purifies the unclean instead of their touch defiling him again. This is a big, big thing because it proves that he has an overcoming and an overwhelming righteousness. For this man to be considered clean, it doesn't just mean that the, the disease has stopped spreading. It means that he had to be cleansed like it was never there to start with. So what you have here is a genuine miracle performed by Jesus touching this man, the man being made clean and Jesus remaining undefiled. See, we had seen Jesus heal people before. We can go back to Simon's mother-in-law, right? We, we saw him heal her and then she got up and started fixing 
dinner. But the implications for this man would have been so much more than that. She was at least still in the house. She was at least still there with her family who were caring for her. This man would have been cast out. Being unclean for him meant removal from fellowship and being clean meant a restoration of that fellowship that he didn't have to be isolated anymore and that he wouldn't be separated any longer. And then you think about the parallel of this story in our lives. When we came to him in our sin, we were separated from God. We were unclean. We were unrighteous. We were unholy. We were unacceptable. And that, that state that we were in destroyed even natural relationships that we would be involved in. Just like leprosy would have destroyed any relationship that he previously had. Sin will isolate us and destroy our relationships, bringing death all around us. But if you fall at his feet, if you call him Lord... And say, Lord, if you will, I know that you can. He reaches out. And for some of us, it seems like he had to reach way far out there. But he reaches out in the touch of the Savior's hand. Instead of what's wrong with us being transmitted to him, what's right with him is transmitted to us. And we find ourselves clean, free to fellowship, free to return to worship. Again, the man was outcast from the temple. He couldn't even go in. And in those days, that was the only way that you could interact with the spirit and the presence of God was to go to the assembly and go to the temple. And we're clean and, and then able to follow him and obey him. Aren't you glad that this man's leprosy disappeared? It was a healing and it was miraculous. And even much more than that, it was restoration of fellowship, restoration of relationship to put in good standing one that had been kept afar off. One that had been refused was brought close. We see something kind of neat in verse 14. It says Jesus instructed the man not to tell anybody, but to go to the priest as was as what you were supposed to do when you had a minor skin condition, you would go to the priest for him to identify it. He would tell you how to quarantine yourself. And then if you thought you were better, you would return. Right. OK, I dodged a bullet. This isn't going to spread. But this man's leprosy had spread all over. He was going to go to the priest and the priest was going to label him clean. Now, why would Jesus tell this man not to spread it around? We don't know, right? I mean, we could guess there's maybe some things we could think of. Maybe he, he didn't want to prejudice the priest against the man, knowing that Jesus was the one who had seen him, seen to it that he was healed. Maybe he, want, he wanted to make sure that he didn't do a dishonor to the system because Jesus came to fulfill the law. Maybe, maybe those things in, in some proportion, maybe. He just wanted people to be drawn by the message of the kingdom and not a, 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 a sideshow of miracles coming for the good news of the kingdom and not just for the things that the kingdom can bring. And we don't know, even though the third one seems like it's probably uh, the, the most likely. But, but we know that there were multiple occasions where Jesus would veil the fact that he was the Messiah until the time that that should be announced until other things that were 
fulfilled, need to be fulfilled were fulfilled. But despite his instructions, good news travels fast, right? So this man who had been covered up with leprosy, word gets around that there is one with authority and power, but also with compassion. He healed a leper. He touched him on the head and he wasn't defiled, but the leper was cleansed. Right. And so large crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed. And it says finally there in the text in verse 16, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. See, life can't be all crowds. It can't be all work. It can't be all stimulation. Withdrawal lest you wear out. And Jesus set that model for us. Even he needed to withdraw for time with the father, shutting everything else out. So as we start to conclude our time together today, looking at this, we see Jesus' path crossed the path of a man with leprosy who was alone and hopeless and in misery with, with, with no hope of a cure in his advanced state, right? And his condition kept him isolated away from the family of God. He was separated. And we find ourselves in a similar condition in sin when we come to Jesus. And he fell at Jesus' feet just like I have, as many of you have and he says, I know you're the only one who can, will you? And again, we, we fall likewise. Christ the Messiah delights to extend his hand, entering into our situation that others would have stayed out of. He enters into, and again, what's wrong with us isn't transmitted to him, but what's right with him is transmitted to us. He isn't dirtied by touching our sinfulness, but we are cleansed by the touch of his righteousness. And this man was healed and not just healed, but cleansed and has a massive impact for him. It has a massive impact for us. Right. I mean, wow. To have had a sinful heart that was defiled as the man's leprous skin cleansed at the touch of Christ's hand. And now there's something real important I want us to see as we close this kind of setting our mind because we can rejoice over this. But here's what I want us to set our mind on as we finish. What did the man do next? How did he live from then on? Did he stay in isolation? Did he stay kept away from everyone? Did he stay under the old rules for leprosy? Did he avoid the temple? Did he cover his face? Did he stay away from people? Did he still live like a man with leprosy in shame and in pain and in fear? Or did he live like a man who had been made clean by the power of God? So when we have been cleansed of our sin, when we've been forgiven and cleansed by the power of God, sin and shame removed, we ought not then to live in it any longer, right? Any more than a man cleansed of leprosy would still live like he had leprosy after he was cleansed. Scripture calls it walking in newness of life. And so to be cleansed, we shouldn't go back and live like we weren't. The man wouldn't have done that with leprosy. We shouldn't do it. When we come to Christ, we don't look back. We don't turn back. We don't look to the side. We follow him obediently and gladly. The one who reached into our darkness, brought light, our filthiness, and brought righteousness, who came to us when we were exiled and brought us close. Amen. Again, Scripture calls it walking in newness of life. It's available to us now. He is able 
He is willing and he's stretching out his hand. Amen. And for those that have been cleansed, we don't live any longer like we used to. We live like ones who have been cleansed. Amen. I want to pray with us as we get ready to wrap up today. And then we're going to sing together as we close. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we read about Jesus in this story, I thank you that we see our own life. We see our sin and we see you reaching into our darkness, bringing your light and your life and your love. And I thank you that your power was sufficient to cleanse us and to forgive us our sins, just like it was to cleanse the leper's skin in a moment that his leprosy disappeared. I thank you that that's what you saw happen to our sin. And Father, just as he left that meeting with Jesus as a cleansed man, I thank you for the knowledge that he didn't go back and live like a leper, but he lived in the freedom that you had given him by cleansing him. Lord, that we will obey you, that we'll follow you with all of our heart. And I thank you that you will never leave us or forsake us. And we can continue to draw from you the strength and the peace that we need. I thank you that you support your people during this time. God, keep them safe. Protect them in the name of Jesus. I thank you that they're strong in you and in the power of your mind, that you give unto them peace that passes all understanding and undisturbed composure. And I thank you that you lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. We pray for our community, for our state, for our country. Lord, that you relieve us from this virus, from this threat. I thank you that you restore us in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that you give our leaders wisdom and revelation from you to lead us as best as they can in this moment. We look to you and ask that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I thank you, Lord, that you sustain us and you bring us back together very, very soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing together. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you, my one my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. 
my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. So teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way. And when I cannot stand, I fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. So teach my song to rise to you. When temptation comes my way. And when I cannot stand, I fall on you. You're my hope and stay Lord, I need you Oh, I need you Every hour I need you My one defense My righteousness Oh God, how I need My one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you, oh God, how I need you. All right, amen. Listen, love you guys. Have a good week. If you need anything, holler. Hope to see you real soon.